Ready? Hello everyone and welcome to the 13th episode of the OrcaCast where Lord Val doesn't know the camera runs. Okay. You look fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I I don't have any qualms that the ladies will fall for you. <laughs> yeah, in this episode we are not only going to have a few laughs, but we will also talk about Desperados 3, Dragon Quest Builders 2, we will wage walk on the video game industry by talking about some really nice dumpster fires that happened, the Atari VCS and uh, Crucible unreleasing. Gentlemen, I'm gonna start with Desperados 3. Anybody heard of it? I watched you play it, yeah. And yeah, I, I know. the old games. Nice. Hmm. Not me. Not you. So, Desperados... Is a real-time strategy game that is heavily focused on stealth. So you have basically a bunch or a group of people. Mm -hmm. Each one has their own unique abilities. So you have one guy who can kill as the only one a certain type of enemy. Uh -huh. The other in stealthily, I I want to say. The others can't. They have to shoot them if they want okay. to. Um, or you have one guy who can distract the enemies. You have the the female protagonist who can dress herself up as other characters and distract the guards. And stuff like that. So each one has their own unique abilities. And all these abilities factor in into doing your missions. So the missions take place on large maps. What you have basically is like, take out five of these guys to make the goal. You have also side missions, yes? Something like, okay, you have you have three people running a town basically with an iron fist and you have to take each one out, yeah? However you do that is up to you. The way you go, the way you find However you want to do it um, is up to you. Interesting part is you can make it look like an accident for everyone. There comes the challenge. And what you want to do is you want to make it look like an accident for everyone. So nobody gets suspicious, right? So you have to work your way around the map. Find everything you want to find or need to find to complete your goal. And then make it look like an accident. And combine, obviously, the uh, abilities of your characters together to achieve that goal. It's a very interesting concept. It's a very old concept that has been around since the 90s. Yeah. If everyone uh, remembers Commandos. Yeah, and Desperado 3 is basically like it, just in a Wild West scenario. And Desperados was the answer to Commandos back in the day. Just Wild West again. And yeah, it got a sequel, like 20 years after the last one, or 15 years after the last one. Why not? I mean, they could have 
done nothing it's better. Bad, to be honest, it's not a yeah. big deal. I don't think, uh, you know, if you like it, if you played, you know, uh, those type of games before, um, it's a bit of a, you know, come back to those type of games. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, always great to have those games, isn't it? Yeah. I, plus, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, also a testament to how well the formula worked back then. If it still works now, it's so, a really, good, it's a really good design. Yeah. So for me personally, it works well. I like it a lot. I like the game a lot. I think they did a really good job in capturing the spirit of these games. Hmm. And like I said, if you are into these types of games, you it's a must play, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, Bam Bam brought up a valid point while I was streaming it. Issue is that safe spamming can guide you basically through the game. So you just click save or quick save and quick load, quick save and quick load until you get the solution for the puzzles. But the game gives you an option to mitigate that and you can set yourself up for a nice surprise and just say, okay, I just can only save 10 times per mission. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good thing because I think uh, like safe scumming makes anything super like easy because eventually you'll get it. Like you don't force yourself to think about a situation. That's why I liked, uh, say, the older Hitman games. Usually, to get like fully through and get the best uh, result, if you you know make a mistake, you usually have to restart and do the level from the start again, just because mm-hmm. it forced you to learn and see the patterns and stuff like that. Whereas you know, if you can save scum, it's like well, just throwing you know whatever on the wall and see what sticks. So and during the missions you can complete various challenges like speed running a mission completed in a certain time or um, do the side objectives everything and you get stars for that and apparently if you connect in collect enough stars um, some bonus missions will unlock oh that's cool yeah. I don't see that often so there is even end game content and so, like I said, uh, if that sounds good to you, just take a look at it. It's well worth it. It's on PlayStation, on Xbox, and on PC. It's not just a PC game this time. Exactly. I'm just thinking how, how well it controls with a controller. Oh, a controller, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen somebody um, play it on a console. Yeah. He didn't really struggle with the controls, so I think it might even play well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Be good then. So, that is my take on it. Bam Bam, Dragon Quest Builders 2. Yay, Bam Bam is a big baby. Um, no, uh, yes, we all know two. that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a sequel to a game I enjoy thoroughly. The, I think it's 2017, 2018, Dragon Quest Builders. Um, it's uh, essentially, uh, I kind of hesitate to call it a Minecraft, but essentially it's a Minecraft-inspired game where you're a builder, essentially a take on the Dragon Quest hero from the RPG series, but instead of being like a warrior of whatever, Force of Light, 
you're a builder who the only person essentially who can create new things and come up with new things in the world and you're trying to save the world from whatever force of destruction they force on you this time so i would i'd say if you want the is like the most simpler description of the game it's a it's a minecraft game with story and purpose mm-hmm. that also guides you through all of the mechanics um here it's Partially, it was introduced in the first game. Here, it's much more of a bigger ga- uh, bigger part of the game. It's um, it's essentially a small, I would call it like a village management, because you recruit your villagers, you build them their rooms, and r- rooms are what they uh, for your are your facilities. Meaning, like you can build a bedroom, a social room, a bar, restaurant, a kitchen. And each of your villagers will take part in the, in that. Meaning, like some of them will cook, some of them will tend to the bar, some of them will become a miners when you build a bar. Mm-hmm. So they will go and passively uh, accumulate like ores, stones, you know, resources. So it becomes much more involved than in the first game because in the first game that didn't exist. Like the rooms were there, but the the villagers wouldn't take part in most of these things. Like none of them would uh, actively go and cook, so you would have to like make everything yourself. Here you can partially automate everything, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, it's also a much bigger game. I think the first game took me like t- ten hours to finish. I'm in this about twenty hours in, and I'm like two thirds through the game, and it's still a similar pattern here. Um, you always go into a new place, which you have to build up, learn new recipes, and then move on into a different one. And the first game had it uh, segmented into chapters where you would always start from scratch. And essentially, all you carried over were recipes or, or blueprints. For the new one, what they did is you have different islands instead of just teleporting into different kingdoms. Mm-hmm. So here you have an uh, island of awakening, which is your main island where you un- unlock new sections uh, as you go through different one-off islands. And each island has a different story and is focused on different things. Like the first island is all about farming. So that that's new thing as well. Farming, you didn't, uh, you weren't able to grow crops in the first game. Here you can, you know, grow grow vegetables. There is even later on farming animals. So they add a lot more stuff into it. But at the same time, I think they're losing a bit of focus. Like th- what I liked about the first game, it still felt like a Dragon Quest game. Mm-hmm. It still felt like I was going, uh, you know, through an RPG story, but in a different type of game. It wasn't, a, you know, a flat-out RPG. It was a bit of a, you know, Minecraft uh, builder game. Here, it's just he, uh, the Dragon Quest Builder Two. It leans way more into the building aspect, and I can see why because um, every time you load up the game, when the game loads up, you get pictures because they added a social aspect to it so you get pictures of like uh people post snapshots of their own creations Mm -hmm. and you can see people getting really into it so you have some like really cool uh player creations which you now you now can go and visit 
in the first game, you could just send a blueprints to other players and they could build your blueprint in their world. Here you can actually join and play co-op and build stuff together. So they, they did expand the game, but they also, as I said, lose a bit of the what made it unique in the first place for the first game. They lose a bit of that Dragon Quest spirit. Uh, I would say it's more like, excuse me, it's more like a like the game evolving a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's going, it's it's leaning into a bit of a different uh, direction than the first game. Yeah, yeah. I just need. I, I think it just happens on every single game. Uh, uh, every single game will end up, you know, kind of like quote unquote evolving. And you know, becoming something different. Um, it, it, we say it more often than not. Um, that's why you know I'm not surprised. Yeah. To see that. No, I mean the thing is, it's like I I kind of miss the more Dragon Questy approach mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still a really really well done game. Like I've played it. Essentially, I think there was just a single patch, and the game like runs smooth. Mm -hmm. I haven't encountered any glitches. That's great. So, and it's it's a, it's a big game. So I think that that was the most surprising. Essentially, like with a single patch, essentially everything's ironed out. So mm -hmm. th that's cool as well. That because in the first game there was like issues with sometimes I would clip through the world. Yeah. And it was hilarious, but at the same time kind of annoying because it, you couldn't. It was broken, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit broken. Here with the new one, they really polished that out. Uh, I like some of the quality of life improvements. Yeah. So when you finish a story island, you get uh, to unlock an uh, essential explorer. They call it, I think, Explorer's Adventures Islands, mm -hmm. where you can uh, find specific things off of a checklist. And okay. once you fill a certain, uh, once you fill one checklist, there is a resource attached to it, and you'll get unlimited supply of that resource. So, you don't, so once you you know get through the game a bit and unlock these islands, you will have a chance to essentially unlock unlimited supplies of some of the basic resources. Yeah. So you don't have to go around and it's like, oh, I need stone, you know, and you don't have to go out and collect like three thousand stone if you want to build something. You actually get unlimited right. uh, supply of it, which I think is it's a really cool feature. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's not. It's not uh, mandatory. You, it's it's an option island. You don't have to like if you don't want that crutch, you can play without it as well. It's a quality of life feature, basically. Yeah, uh, they also give you that's this is what I love. This is my favorite feature. They give you a giant, enormous inventory. It's like a five-page inventory. Oh, so you so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> that's one thing I miss the most on, on most of the games now. Yeah, it's like uh, that's it's so good that you don't have to like I don't have to dump everything out every yeah. time I go like on like a big, big uh mining spree. Mm -hmm. I just like a like five pages of stuff that I just collected. I'm like great. I don't have to you know stash it in the chest. Yeah, because really enough chests have still like limited inventory space, so you can't put everything into a chest. So it's good that you have to get sack. That's like essentially bottomless. Mm -hmm. But there is a cool thing they do. Like whenever you go to a new story island, they won't let you take that like the contents of that sack with you. 
it stays on the main island and you go with with an uh, an empty inventory into a new storyline so you can't cheese it that way that you would bring like resources and stuff into a completely new scenario makes sense so that's good it's still like designed by uh, by Aki, uh, Akira Toriyama so it still looks like Dragon Ball Z Dragon Quest mm-hmm. um the story seems to take a bit of a more like a twisted turn where now the builders are bad but in the first game they were the saviors here they're bad and you also get a permanent companion in Malroth who seems I think the, the game's essentially pitching him as he was he's going to be the big bad yeah. it's a kid, it's a kid's story so it's like it's super obvious but at the <laughs> same time I think they're going to twist it again that he's going to be friend the game sometimes gets super heavy or like it's it's pitched as a, as a kid's game but as, at the same time there's some like adult humor and in like, the first story i lent you unlock one of the character dies at the end and it's like i was just like collecting poop 10 minutes ago and i'm gonna have to deal with this right <laughs> it, i mean it sounds quite interesting i mean like how long is the game <clears throat> how long is that game being in the world for um i think it released last year and how long did they, did they work on the game for i think it's been like at least two years Two years in the game, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think most, like some games, like some AAA games, would have as polished, you know, system. Because there is so many that still struggle with, you know, um, inventory, like blah blah, and you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that's. I think they took a lot of the feedback from the first game and just build up upon it. Mm-hmm. Because. I think it it seems like the way this this game is steered seems it uh, it's catering to the crowd that was really really into the building and wanted more complex stuff yeah. in the sequel. So they add like water physics and stuff like that as well into it. You get new ways to traverse the environment whereas in the first game essentially all you could do is build a bike. Okay. Here, here you get like a car and you have a parachute. Essentially, it's like a, it's it's or it's not a parachute. It's a, essentially a wingsuit, so you can glide through in the environment to make it easier to get th- uh, through. You also don't have to craft. You has you used to craft a uh, Chimera wings, which is a thing from the Dragon Quest RPG series, which were used to. You could use it to uh, teleport to the last tavern you used. Mm-hmm. Here you can uh, teleport to your uh, to your village, and several uh, like hotspots on the map just free, essentially for free. You don't have to craft anything; you just have to find that place. Uh, essentially, it's just you know water it down a little bit, making it easier, more accessible for everyone. Yeah, it seems like it's a it's a bigger, more accessible game that has a lot of cool quality of life features added to exactly. it. They're completely optional if you don't want to use them. You don't have to. I would like if you. This is definitely, I think, a game for someone younger, or people who are just big Dragon Quest fans and want more Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Because there's still like, even if there's they if they lost some of the Dragon Quest stuff in it, there's still enough in there. There's like the unique like Dragon Quest flavor. Yeah. That you just can't get anywhere else. I yeah, played Dragon a... Quest like ages ago. Ages yeah. ago. It's an absolute brilliant game, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I mean, if you get a chance, definitely play Dragon Quest XI. 
Yeah. That's like one of the best J- Japanese RPGs we got in ages. But yeah, I think there's a there's a demo of Dragon Quest Builders on PS4 and PC, so you can give it a go, see if you like it. Definitely, Orko is not up to date on these games, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm moving. Well, which one is the next one? What are we talking about next? Well, I think we just need to get into the nitty-gritty of things and talk about a game that has released not too long ago. I think it was in May. And um, it's not the culling, but I have an explanation why you didn't find it on the Xbox store. I think it's just on the Xbox. So you can find it on the Xbox itself, but not on... So it's... It's not yeah. the it's not the micro it's not the Xbox Game Store which is also yeah. on PC. It's just on the console. Exactly. Okay. So we are going to talk about a game that re- released on May twenty first. Was called the Crucible, which I find a questionable name to begin with, yes. because if you Google Crucible. In search you get, which yeah, it's Destiny Two that you will find. Yeah. <laughs> um, People still care about Destiny Two. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, but it's. It, I think that's actually right. What uh, what Olko is talking about. If you type on Google Crucible, the first thing you're gonna see on the first on the first like five lines you're gonna find it's gonna be it's gonna be the crucible of destiny it's the pvp thing so it's kind of like it's very questionable that you go for a name that is already quite famous yeah isn't uh, their mmorpg called just the new world yeah that's the next game i think they need, they're, they're going to need someone like new from the like franchising department i think they need somebody who uh who names their game better? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> definitely. I'm, 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 you know, I'm gonna work on my on like a horror game. I'm gonna call it just the spook. <laughs> and it, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a it, it's it's a good game. I'm a, let, let, carry on, carry on, Olko. By the community, it was received very middling. I remember when it started, it had like mostly negative reviews on Steam, but those were only like thirty. Reviews. Um, the press wasn't too keen on it either, and currently it's sitting on a sixty-five percent on Steam with sixty-three reviews. So it's mixed, and the game did so well they unreleased it and pushed it right back into closed beta. What they want to do for the future. They want to focus just on one of the game modes, which which was basically some kind of spin on the MOBA genre, which was their most successful game mode. I don't know, Heart of the Swarm or whatever it was called. Heart of the Hive, Heart of the Swarm, whatever. This is what they want to focus on. And the game had the issue that it was in incredible unpolished and incredible unsatisfying to play mm-hmm. i've never played it i did 
it, so I can't confirm or deny it. But I personally just strayed away from it because it looked weird. Yeah, I think I've heard, I've seen someone comparing it, essentially being like an Anthem PvP, and everybody knows what happened to Anthem. Anthem went so well that EA just wrote it completely off. Yeah, because I know didn't weren't they I... supposed to do like an Anthem 2.0? I think that. They are working on it, and I don't know why you guys... I think Anthem was a brilliant game. I disagree it, with you guys. The, the thing is, it's like Anthem I'm the positive was a, guy of the group, though, but I think like, it's a brilliant game. The problem with Anthem was, it would, be, it would ha- have been a good game, but it was completely mismanaged. Like, the content wasn't there, the, the rewards for the content were, weren't great. And when, like, they didn't listen to the community at okay. all. Mr. Batman, what did we talk about last last week? We actually mentioned that last week on the previous um, podcast. The, say, uh, who was the guy who mentioned that the AAA games are not viable anymore? Uh, someone mentioned it. I think it was from Ubisoft or something. The AAA games are not, like, no. they, they're not viable anymore. For yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was Sony. That was ex Sony executive. Yeah. yeah. So that is a, a Destiny like game. It, it's just I don't think people are playing those games not not anymore. But it's like it's kind of like a game that needs to be updated constantly. A game that needs to have so much into it. Yeah. A game that needs to have like so many weapons, so many gear, stats, mods, a, a million other things plus content. Plus a a roadmap, plus updates, yeah. plus you know a million different things and end game. I don't think even five years is enough time to make those games anymore. I mean, if he, if that game, if I would say if Anthem released at the time of Destiny, yeah, we will have an absolutely brilliant game right now. The problem is, what happened is what we saw on Destiny. Destiny didn't release at the start, like on Destiny 1 didn't release, like kind of like the biggest game, and kind of started evolving into, well, what we all know, Destiny 2, and it flopped massively, but that was all from Activision, which we, you know, we all know that, you know, Activision was forcing Bungie onto making a new game to sell more games and make Mm -hmm. more money and blah, 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 we all know that. Kind of like evolved into a game at the point where Anthem released, Destiny already was a almost you know, fully polished game with end game with a million things going on, blah blah and whatnot. And then you release the game, you know, when the division and Anthem are up here. And then you release the game like how they were like five years ago. Man, that kills your game. Because yeah. I think the problem with a game like Anthem was timing. All the games, every single game, World of Warcraft, one of the, the biggest games probably in, you know, in my opinion, the biggest game in gaming, the entirety of gaming. That game is still going strong after 15 years and you have to pay monthly for it. It is yeah. a game that, you know, evolved for Warcraft at the start, had nothing, had nothing, no, like it only had a foundation and, you know, I mean, it had a lot of things, but 
it had to, it was evolving continuously. And they were adding things and they were adding, you know, the game was not like fully polished from the get-go. Those kind of games, you know, AAA games that require a lot of time investment and money investment require to be launched into the public. Those games are not going to be finished. Not a chance a game like that is going to be finished. Because it's a game that you are meant to be evolving, internally playing how many people you may have on your studio. You may have like, I don't know, 200 people on your studio, uh, you know, editing, uh, making the game and, and whatnot. And they are the ones testing the games because obviously you can't have your game throw, thrown into the public because otherwise everyone would know about it. There will be no hype and there will be no money, no sell, and we don't know what happens after that. So... You know, all those, you know, AAA games, evolving games, always are released, you know, not fully finished, not fully polished. And I think it's just Anthem came too late. It's just, you know, they the, 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 the game was really, they were very ambitious with it. But it didn't evolve into, you know... Uh, it was released just at a time where, you know, the two big ones, which were on that regard, which were The Division and Destiny, were already flying. They already had in game. They already fixed issues. They already have issues still as of today. But at that point, they already, like, polished out the game and the game was kind of... The, both of the games were kind of, like, doing well. Then the game comes out and they hyped it up big time. Bioware hyped hyped up the game so massively like they have to because obviously we don't know who the publisher is they hyped up the game so much obviously those games need to be hyped up big time so obviously the game was you know we were expecting a fully furnished fully polished game it wasn't it, I, I think it's just you know a matter of timing uh, and the game how long has it been now it's been uh, about a year has it been a year and a half or one year since Anthem got released? I'll double check for you. I think it's 2018. I think it's been a year and a half right now. Uh, so Let's check it. Yeah, it's, no, it's it's January 2019, so it's been about a year and a half, yeah. A year and a half, okay. So uh, I know because I love the game. Uh, I, I was <laughs> like, I'm big into the game. I actually have a tattoo of the, of Anthem, of the, of the four classes. I love the symbology. I love what the game is trying to tell the issue is that the game is not as polished as it should have been. It's like Destiny. Destiny at the start was not polished. The division was not polished. World Warcraft was not polished. And right now those games are flying. Those games are good. And I think there is uh, some people said that Anthem did not have it did not it did not have like a space between you know like the division and and Destiny. They were kind of like taking over everything hmm. uh, on the on the market. I think it does have a space because who doesn't like to be a freaking Iron Man with weapons and flying and killing monsters? Like, I want to look like that. It, it does have a market. It shares the market with the Division players and Destiny players. It does share a market because it's like, if you combine the both of the games and you put them together and they have a baby, they have Anthem. I kind of got on and on and on and on with Anthem. That's not the point. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, the thing uh, I would say, you know, Anthem kind of like, it was a flop due to the, in my opinion, to the timing. Sorry, Batman, you can carry on. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> the, 
that was the issue, especially like like it doesn't matter uh, the timing because EA is such a big company and they should have known better. They should have. They should have. They're really like. I disagree with you there. Especially because of the, like, there's so all the games they had before that. They've seen like how Destiny launched. They've seen how, you know, they, they've seen how Warframe launched. Yeah, but then you would not get this game out. That's the problem. If you keep holding the game back, you're never gonna get it out. Gonna get it out. And what I what I said before, you don't say. Why? Because there is two hundred people trying it. Two hundred people. Your developers. It's not out in the world. It's not out in the open when there is a kid that literally spends 15 hours a day playing games and finds out how to exploit everything in your game. And oh, then I mean, that goes out in the wild. Or, or, but or, but it... You know, I mean, apply. for me personally, that shows actually... I, I get your point to a certain extent that you want to get the game out. But it also shows to me that they didn't really care for the product and didn't really better test it. Because there is a reason for closed beta tests. There is a reason that play testers are employed. It's not just the employees who test the game in the studio. These companies have a vast amount of play testers under their wing who do nothing but play video games, find bugs and exploit and report them back so they can be fixed. And I think they yeah. floundered on that big time. To a few thousands, isn't it? I mean, it's not out in the open where everyone can try. Even though those people might be better testers, those games are not out in the open. That's what I'm trying to say. It's kind of like it's a close group of people. Yeah. And it's uh, not in the massive, in the open with everyone, you know, trying different things. And because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a close group of people. So. Yeah, but the the issue with Anthem wasn't really like whether it was broken or exploit exploitable. The issue with Anthem was that there was just so little to play at launch. Yeah, but you don't really see that, don't you? Well, you you kind of feel like there is a ton of things to do. I mean, you you play you play Destiny, but you don't really have like a group where you're going on and you're playing it day after day after day uh, with your group, even though you have the playtest on everything. But I don't think that is. Found, you don't find that until you throw it out in the open, and you that, that, that there isn't enough in, content that you have just one raid. That's exactly, not enough. I, I don't know. Like honestly, then you also have like you know a, a road path. Obviously, you're gonna have like you know the, your roadmap with you know more things coming out and and you know weapons and stuff like that. So obviously, I kind of like. Think that these games have it the most difficult. It is one of those, in my opinion, that you know, it's not their fault. It's just that it's way too difficult to. No, I like, like I fully blame EA here, just because they didn't plan this well enough. They just saw a you know, you know, it's like oh, this like multiplayer squad based you know train. It's like oh, we should do something like that. And essentially just pawn it off to Bioware. Or like let you know, show them destiny, show them whatever. It's like make one of these. And it's like I'm not saying like Bioware did uh, like a extremely bad job. Like 
what was in what's in the game like you know the the gameplay feels like good to play but there isn't just enough what what was there at launch then the roadmap just fell apart and now we now players are waiting for anthem 2.0 which is just dead silent it's that silent because i think they just put their head down and they got to work they got to work yeah. because those games don't only that's that you know my whole point is that the games can't like they they get pushed out in the open i mean i'm not trying to say i'm not defending them or i'm not defending ea i'm not defending anyone else but at the end of the day you can be like developers say that's actually not my word those are the actual developers they say we could be better testing the game for 10 years 15 years if we wanted to because there's always something new you could be doing something new always every single time they could have the games testing for years and years and years if you tell a developer studio uh, create a game uh, like a you know an, an evolving world triple a game blah blah whatnot that's your budget at some point they're gonna come back to you and they're gonna ask you for more budget secondly yeah. they're gonna ask you for more time and you're probably going to end up pushing the the, the game back three four times at least I, I think know, that, that, that's, yeah, that's but see, 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 it's oh. like my sorry, sorry, just completely because we're getting off track. Because my point wasn't like about testing or anything. The point is, they released essentially a product that wasn't all there, and they should have known better. There, the my point about testing was that it's not about the um, time or amount you better test it, but how thorough you are. Obviously, you can test something for years and years and years and add more features and more features and more features and then scrap everything and start anew. We already had that with Duke Duke Forever. That's not the point. The point is to stay on track on your set parameters you have for your game because you have to have an outline for the game. You know what you want to do. Anthem was destined to be let's say just like this, a destiny and division killer. So you basically had your framework already laid out. You just had to look at destiny and at the division and just take yeah. that and make it your own. Yeah, so, yeah. It's like, the, oh, sorry, just want to yeah. clarify that. I, when we were talking, because I was more comment, like my comments were more, more on destiny, uh, uh, anthem, sorry, anthem. Than a crucible. <laughs> my destiny. <laughs> yeah, um, because a cru with crucible, yeah, it was just pushed out too early into the wild. Yeah, it needed more, mm. way more time in the oven. Yeah, and I kind of my point was that it is, you know, uh, those games could be, you know, being tested for ages and ages and ages. Um. Yeah, but point, I kind of like to get the point. It should have been released, kind of like you know, beta tests instead of you know uh, the. Have an, before you release a game, have an open beta test and collect the feedback. Because, for example, one of the many complaints I've seen when it comes to Crucible, not Anthem, Crucible, is that the weapon handling is really bad. Yeah, yeah I've seen that as well. And this is something you can easily find out with a beta test, with an open beta test. Yeah, and kind of 
kills the whole, you know, hype of the game as well. Like, as well. Why does when the majority of the people say the weapon handling is bad, kill the vibe of the game? I think if a weapon or weapons handle poorly and feel really bad to shoot with, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the reason is, if the reload time is too long, or if they feel like pea shooters, or if they don't sound punchy enough, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is something you can find out in a better test, and this is something you can easily fix, even with the damage values. Because if you say, okay, we need to up the damage value for the weapons so the mobs get killed faster, the enemies on the field. Okay, you can mitigate that some a little bit differently by dropping down the player's health or giving the mobs a bigger damage output as well. You can balance these things out fairly quickly. Yeah, it, yeah. because it's like it's the same way like uh, because when you see like um, how a good shooter feels compared to how you know a, like a middling middle of the road shooter feels. It's like usually like for shooters, depending on what you're going for, you want for like really punchy weapons, uh, short kill times, or if you're going for a RPG route, you wanna you kind of need to find a middle road because you can't have short kill times because it's an RPG you want to progress. But at the same time, it's like my issue like that's why I didn't like weapons in the first Mass Effect because they all sound just like you know a blender. <laughs> And the enemies are just, especially on the higher difficulties, they're just bullet sponges, and it doesn't feel great. Same with uh, Borderlands. Yeah. It's like some of, the, some of the enemies and guns are just don't feel fun to play with. And it can be easily tweaked. And like Crucible had that issue from what I've seen. People were just like, yeah, this feels like, this doesn't feel just fun to play, especially yeah. when it comes to gunplay. Yeah. I know that. Sometimes Bum Bum and I can be pretty harsh on games, but I let's say I'm I'm on his camp when it comes to Borderlands and say the weapons just don't feel good for me in this instance. But I see that millions others think otherwise. So this is okay. Then I just don't play the game and move on. But in Crucible there is the majority of people who played it said the weapons don't feel good, so you have an issue there. Mm. Just have one. Kind of, I kind of feel like you know it, it just happens with these kind of games. It's kind of it's a bit difficult to you know you kind of like you trying to build up a hype within your game to you know you try to avoid the beta testing. So so many games don't do it. So many games don't do the beta testing because they don't. Yeah, and it's you know. it's I think it, it's bad that they don't do what beta testing because then what we get is broken games and these games fail. And it's like I like I still like I I because I'm an I'm an ancient person. I lived through the time where there were no patches on consoles, mm-hmm. like PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, you know, GameCube, whatever. We didn't have patches, and like you had you had to test the game. You had to make sure that the game works. And if it didn't work, it was just like, well, I'm getting a refund. And I think it made developers lazy when even consoles got patches. And here is another opinion I just want to throw out there. 
hype culture in video games needs to die. Yeah, fast. Yeah. I, I want to say that as well. That I I think the the idea of that cloud or this hype train should sell your game. I think that's where also we get a lot of backlash in gaming, because you get essentially sold a game just through this wake hype where it's like people are talking about it and you some people just buy games because it's like oh i see like a lot of people talking about it i'll just get it and then it's like oh it's like eh, it's not really my thing the the thing about the backlash i actually watched a very interesting video about it this morning there is a youtube channel called the knowledge hub and they put out videos and he it was specifically about the E3, but I think this is a larger point about hype culture in video games in general and a very good point what he made. Um, he said these announcements during E3 are nothing but hype and false hype at that because it's based on promises you can never fulfill. Because if you tell someone especially if you hype up an announcement. Yeah. If you tell someone, hey, dude, tomorrow you get a gift, an amazing gift. Yeah, so the announcement. And then your fantasy goes wild. You imagine the gift to be a puppy. But the next day you get a toaster. What will you yeah. be? Disappointed. This yeah, is why hype culture just needs to go away. It's, uh, it, it, that, the, that's not going to go. That's not going to go away. That is. Yeah, uh, and it's really like sad. It not, let, let's be truthful. That's the way for. That's the way how you build up your sales. Like basically, that is the first because I, I you know, my previous job we kind of did something similar. You know, when you, you kind of like build. A little bit of hype and you like see how your socials how your reach has gone and then you build a prediction of that. yeah that's and that's the why thing. they use these kind of things because they build a prediction with that prediction that they build they can adjust their budgets and they can kind of like guess quote unquote because obviously that's not a definite number but they kind of and guess what's going to how is the return of you know investment going to be yeah and that's so, the thing that's the thing and that's why the sony executive probably was right that these game like these types of games that need that hype train are not viable anymore or not viable in long term mm -hmm. because essentially usually you spend about as much as you spend on the development just to market the game yeah and third the game be time and, and that's absurd if you need to spend that much just to make sure the game's out there. Because imagine, uh, like, when you think, like, to 1995, where I think it was, Do or, like, the 90s, say how Doom was sold. Doom was sold through phone orders. It's, like, one of the most influential games still to this day. Yeah. And there was zero, essentially zero marketing. Like, all was just word of mouth. And word of mouth still works. Like you sell, like even smaller titles like Undertale. Like everyone knows Undertale, and mm -hmm. that never got like a major marketing. People know stuff like, like um, Sunless Skies, Sunless Sea, games that you know 
people spread through word of mouth through either like people make YouTube videos, forum threads, you know, Reddit boards. It still yeah. works. And I think it's mostly like now this like big hype culture marketing is aimed still aimed at consoles because I don't know why they think that people will not talk about games. Yeah. The the other thing is that to come back to our initial topic called Crucible, I just try back. I just try to reel back the discussion a little bit, guys. What I what I could have imagined working for Crucible very well. There is this one game mode, Heart of the of the Swarm, Heart of the whatever, Heart of the Hive, which was received actually quite well. To just get back in a general point. And to hammer home my point also on beta testing. If they would have if they would have had an open beta test, just to get the hype, everything out of the system. They would have pretty easily found out what they had also after release. So what they could have done is they could have concentrated just on this one game mode. Scrap the other two like they do now, make the game a smaller, more focused release, like Warcraft, like Destiny, like The Division, mm-hmm. and then build on that. I think this, and this is also what the Sony executive is trying to say, this might be the way to go forward, and it should be the way to go forward. Don't fall for hype culture. Try build a reasonably scaled experience for your players think about how you can expand it release mm-hmm. a part of your product that is in shape in form and can be played for a certain amount of time and then after release start building on it mm-hmm. yeah. just like Fortnite did it Fortnite released a part of the game and has been building on it for years now. So, yeah. And, yeah, that's the thing as well about it. They should have, yeah, tested, but at the same time also recognize, oh, this is this is not fit for release yet to be out in the wild. The, like, I, I miss demos because demos usually would give you an idea, but also would serve as a feedback because sometimes, like, Games change wildly between demos. Uh, recently, like I recalled uh, how I played, it was Need for Speed Most Wanted demo, which was wildly different. Like it had even different game modes to that of the final version. And just to go on and just to round up and go to the Atari VCS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I want Crucible it's not like that I'm happy it unreleased or failed I actually want it to succeed I want this game to come out better than it is now and here this this is why this is all so very important and this feedback is very important please if you give developers your feedback keep it don't don't insult them or yeah don't make, threaten. yeah respectful. don't threaten. yes respectful feedback if you do that if you don't like a product make your voice heard 
this is very important, but it's also important to do it very respectfully, because after all, these people still worked on it. They might have lost their way, or the plot along the way, that happens, it happens to me, it happens to everyone. Just tell them what you don't like and give them valuable feedback. They need it to make a better product. And I hope Crucible, I I personally doubt it, but that's another, it's another story. I personally hope that Crucible can, if they release the game again, make a comeback and be a good game. This is all I want. I just want good games. And yeah, and, yeah. I, I hope Crucible can be a good game. And definitely, I mean, you know, the more good games we get, the better. And that's always been a thing. It's like nobody... It's like that's the another part of like, of like gaming culture. It's like I don't think anybody should want a game to fail. But what we should all want is just more good games. And not just, you know, pile onto whatever. Just because Yeah. Just don't be like don't be vitriolic. Just be reasonable. But at the same time, make developers strive to be better yeah. it's like don't, don't 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 be afraid to call out you know whatever you think is wrong with a game but always be respectful absolutely that's what we always say that's what we always say uh if you're giving feedback just try to be respectful and constructive yeah constructive was what i was searching for thank you <laughs> yeah uh, give a bit of constructive criticism you know because he's always um that's always helpful. Uh, developers, believe it or not, they're human beings, and they make mistakes, just like everyone else. News flash. Exactly. Moving on. Atari VCS. <laughs> Another great topic to discuss. Bam bam. Yeah. So Atari VCS eight hundred was a Indiegogo campaign by Atari to produce uh, one of those, like, uh, you know, uh, NAS, SNAS, Sega Genesis mini type consoles, where you would have built in, built in about 100 games from Atari, their legacy collection, you know, their old arcade machines and 26, 5200 consoles games as well. And they met their goal, they raised about $3 million on their Indiegogo in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then it just kept getting worse. Um, they had delayed their console by a year. Then they opened pre-orders for their console, which wasn't out yet. And they didn't have any, I think at the time, they still had no prototypes either. They just had like concept. And they were selling it. I think they're still selling it because I think GameStop's listing it for $380 at the moment, which is about the price of a, like a PS4 Pro. And it's about a quarter of the processing power of PS4 Pro. The thing is, the, the games on console, you can get them on at least definitely on PC. I checked. You can get them for like about 10 quid. All the games on console, you can get them for 10 quid on PC. So you don't even need a machine. Then the then their uh, I think it was the technical lead and one of the main designers of the console left the company yeah. because they wouldn't let him they wouldn't give them extra money to 
think because they wanted to build a Linux-based operating system. They didn't allow them to do that. So it's running like a bootleg weird uh, virtual Windows machine. They were use, I think they showed it on uh, GDC 2020. They showed it play uh, playing Fortnite because it's essentially like a, a small computer. But the thing was, it's running a virtual machine, so it shows like a license your windows in the corner where you're playing uh, Fortnite on it. Uh, they also said it was going to have like these apps for Hulu, uh, Netflix, and stuff like that. It doesn't have apps. It just opens the web browser versions of these players. So there is a <laughs> thing where they show it uh, play Netflix. And in the corner, there is a, there is a notification you get when you when your uh, Google Chrome crashes. So it works and you can definitely pre-order it <laughs> at GameStop for $380 yeah. if you really, really want to. <laughs> um, yeah, there were like, there was mismanagement in there. I think there's still inform information coming out of it. Yeah. And I think the tech lead is supposed to, that left is supposed to give like an interview as well. So we'll probably get back onto it once we get more of this juicy information. But yeah, Atari is um, doing a lot of stuff as well, because on top of like this disaster, they're trying to come up with their own Bitcoin. It's Atari coin. Oh yeah. And they want to make it like a standard within the game industry. And apparently you can use it for their casino games as well. Good for you, Atari. But yeah, that's all the info I got at this point. I think there's because it's still coming out, like there's a stream of information coming out yeah. about this whole crapshoot. So we'll get more, I might come back to like next week or the week after just like with a slew of new information. Yeah, but this, this sounds like a disaster in the making. It's been in the making for the last two years and it's still going, still <laughs> going strong. I mean, I mean the, the best part is like, hey, you can use these apps. Let's open the browser. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so. What 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 they are essentially doing at this point? If you want, I know most people are not that tech savvy and just want uh, yeah. a shiny thing to buy and make it f make it great or whatever. But like, if I buy a Raspberry Pi, I get the same. Yeah, you're better off. Essentially, like I've seen a lot of people comp like call this the new Wea, and everybody loved Wea. So, yeah, I, I think Wea, even the Wea, did fare better in the end than this will, because then yeah. I mean three hundred eighty really for that. Yeah, just buy a goddamn Raspberry Pi, guys. Please do yourself the favor. It's really easy to use. Yeah, it's probably going to play Fortnite better than yeah. uh, Atari VS VCS anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a fail right off the bat, man. I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> it might come up with something great. Who knows? I, I just... Look... <laughs> I, <laughs> Why are you laughing when I say <laughs> I don't know. Wait, 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 imagine, wait, wait Im imagine, imagine them announcing their killer application. They are going to re-release an HD version of E.T. You know, a hot take, E.T. wasn't that bad. It was just, hmm. it was just really cryptic. 
I think what they should do is get get the culling origins on VCS <laughs> just to complete the circle. <laughs> uh, I don't think your hot take isn't that off, but like, if you make games too cryptic, then you have in the end people who don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, mm. it's like I, I'm one of the, one of those people who who enjoys La Mulana. So I think it wasn't as uh, like that that cryptic. And if you notice, uh, like La Mulana is a yeah, yeah, I know what it's a, I'm just gonna say it's like a Metroidvania games that are the like with puzzles that make you go way deep into the game, and some of them can be super cryptic. So yeah, so that's like I enjoy those games. So ET wasn't as bad, but then again, I come into it like as a you know as about almost 30 year old knowing what I'm getting myself into. I can imagine someone getting like, it's my first game back in like the early eighties being like, yeah, this isn't great. Yeah. So the Atari VCS situation is still unfolding. If you are someone who loves a good dumpster fire, um, there you go. It's all in the making. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a slow, it's like a, you know, a train crash in slow motion. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and then we'll see who picks up the pieces. I think it's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's way too optimistic even for you. Well, I think, I don't know, it might be be good, I don't know. Hopefully. Hopefully it's great. I'm going to just pity the people who spent the money on the Kickstarter or the Indiegogo campaign. I don't know. I'm always trying to be... I mean, as positive as I can be. Maybe. It sounds kind of like bad, but I mean, I hope they can like maybe turn it around. You know how, how these things go. You know, uh, they usually, they might say one thing and all of a sudden meet way through, you know, the creation, you know, everything changes. But maybe you're still onto something here, Val, and that thing will be the greatest console in history. Maybe. It might surprise us all. It might pack a GTX 2080 and we don't know it. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that then it might be worth it to buy it because it's cheaper than buying GTA 2080. <laughs> let, let's, let's hope they do well. What's next on the... I mean, we can, we can cut it here because that's everything we had. <laughs> what about Destiny? We forgot about Destiny. I want Destiny. Then let's go about Destiny. Let's go about Destiny. <laughs> Watch on Destiny. <laughs> Why are you laughing? When I... <laughs> I love Destiny, man. Uh, <laughs> I think Monji should pay me to talk about Destiny. Uh... <laughs> no, you said that it's like, it's like we forgot about Destiny. I'm like, everyone forgot about Destiny. Everyone forgot about <laughs> Destiny. Don't leave me hanging. Uh, so, yeah, Destiny, we got a moment <laughs> of triumph who uh, just got released on... Uh, last week so we got a you know brand new moments of triumph which will allow you if you get your moments of triumph you get your is it 13 or 15 achievements uh on the moments of triumph destiny and bungie will let you buy a t-shirt <laughs> you don't earn it we they will let you buy if you complete the <laughs> that's funny but so basically the it's a typical strat well not a strategy but it's a typical thing of destiny 
uh, the t-shirt cost you seven million seven hundred seventy-seven thousand seven hundred seventy-seven dollars. So it's kind of you know like a you know the seven uh, all over the place uh, on the t-shirt. So obviously, if you do your moments of triumph, you'll get a code. You use that code at checkout on that t-shirt, and obviously, it's not gonna cost you seven million because the t-shirt is not worth seven million. Uh, so basically, uh, what's gonna do is going to reduce the price at the actual, you know, bungee price, which is gonna be about 20, 25 bucks. The the, the usual. Uh, you got the option of adding your. <laughs> I just I just thought of someone actually dropping the seven million on it. <laughs> it's like I mean, it seems like a fair price. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't. Yeah, I mean, obviously. It goes to charity. I don't mind the penny. Like as long as you know, it's the Bungie Foundation, which helps with Sanjut's kids. Uh, if you want to go and drop the seven million, go ahead because that money is gonna be well spent. Also, you got the option of adding your name onto the side of your, the T-shirt, which is gonna have the badge and your name on it as well, uh, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I mean they do it every single year. It's kind of like the end of the year celebration. You, um, you know, it's the, what have you done on Destiny? What have you achieved on Destiny? And they compile everything into one section. And yeah, they give you the, you know, uh, the challenges, they give you the goals, and then you go and get everything and you are able to buy your uh, t-shirt. Also, there is a title. So obviously, if you get your Moments of Triumph title, you kind of, you kind of like can show off a little bit. And with all the Destiny players, because you will have a title under your name. Also, apart from that, we had a new weapon, which is... Uh, I had it here just a second ago. Uh, the new weapon is Ruinous Effigy. It's a new exotic weapon, which is... A, it's got a new exotic quest. And there is a masterwork for the weapon, which is hunting uh, the eyes of Sabathon. Sabathon is coming, people on Beyond Light, on the new expansion on September. So she's got uh, 50 eyes. Uh, it's a bit difficult to lose to lose 50 eyes, though. But she somehow managed to lose 50 eyes. And all 50 eyes are all over the place on... All the 50 uh, Sabathon's eyes are all over the place on different, different destinations. Uh, we got, like, uh, some of them are on Titan, some of them are on Io. And two other planets, uh, which are uh, Mars and uh, which one is the other one? It's a uh, uh, Mercury. Mercury, which is actually disappearing. I called it. I actually called it weeks ago on this podcast. Let's go and check them out. I'm gonna put the link somewhere over here. Uh, so basically, that uh, I called it. It was going to disappear, and it's actually disappearing already. You can see this blowing up. Yeah, we're starting to see the progress on to what's going to happen next on Destiny. It's great to see Destiny moving forward. It's about time the story start moving somewhere, and we're starting to get to see what's going to happen next. And yeah, not only the moments of triumph, not only the exotic. There is another exotic coming soon in a couple of weeks. So we got a bit of the celebration, what we've done, everything we have achieved all up until now. And what, you know, we keep moving the story forward on what's to happen in the future. So Beyond Light is shaping up to be an absolutely brilliant new expansion on Destiny. Uh, yeah, exciting times on Destiny. There is always 
you know, that it's always something, it's always something new, even though, you know, it's not as often as we would like to, but because we consume content a lot faster than they can create it. It is great to see how the new stuff is coming out and how everything is moving. I saw you all go playing Destiny. Not long ago, <laughs> I know you're loving it, and you there, you're trying to say something about Destiny because you're loving it now, and you're addicted to Destiny. So I have played one strike mission, and that's it. So I cannot say much about it. <laughs> it's like piss me out. <laughs> uh, Batman, have you played any? Uh, I haven't played Destiny since I think like last year. Not even with the stuff I'm telling you. you. I don't even get you hyped up. No. I need to do something about you. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> there is there is a bunch of stuff on, on Destiny happening now. So uh, they kind of like, I don't know why people want to go back to the old system of two expansions to the, on the whole year, which I don't think that's... No, two expansions? Yeah, can, yeah, like kind of like two big expansions kind of like throughout the whole year. I don't think that's a good idea to do, to be honest, on, the, on Destiny. Uh, the season pass and the season system on Destiny, in my opinion, is a lot better and it's dropping content more often. Even though it's time-gated, you pay for a season pass, which you know it's time-gated and you have, to pay, you have to play throughout the three months or the three months and a half that the season pass uh, lasts. But I don't know. It is, you know, uh, you don't really um, destroy all the content within 30 minutes, which is great in my opinion, because many people just, you know, basically consume the entire content of the whole expansion within the first uh, hour, two hours, and that's about it. It's the game is over. So um, it's a good system for me to keep the game alive and keep people coming back. And the more people come back and the more people play, the more players we have on Destiny and the more people I get to play with and the more people I get to wreck on the Crucible. Thank you. That's a wonderful closing word from our friend Lord Well. <laughs> <laughs> this was episode 13 of the ArcCast. Thank you for listening, everyone. Guys, where can we find you? Lord Val. You can find me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash lorevalgaming. I'm also on Twitter, uh, lorevaltwitch. And uh, on Instagram, I got lorevalgaming as well. Uh, and on Facebook, if you want to find me on Facebook as well, lorevalgaming, exactly the same handle. I uh, stream on Twitch every single uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. And that's about it. All right, Bum Bum, where can we find you? Pretty much nowhere. Amazing. Moving on. You can find me on twitch.tv slash diocosaurus. I stream there every Monday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash diocosaurus, and on Instagram, orcosaurus, without the the. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I bid thee a farewell. And you know the deal. If you liked what we, what you saw, thump it up. If you didn't like it, thump it down. We love you. And you all take good care of yourselves. Lord Val, Bum Bum, Orko, signing out. Bye-bye. Bye. See you all.